As much as I like to fight everyone, yeah, yeah. I'm having a pretty good time here. Why you mad? Why you mad? Why you Why mad? mad? Alright, hey, what's up, Lisa? Hi, Jake, in a different place every time. <laughs> oh, I forgot to sound check, but I think we look good. I, I think we're fine. Whatever. Visually. People are used to it. They get it. They're spying in on a phone call between us. This would be like what it our whole podcast is just like what it would be like if we were phone call people. Yeah. I know. <laughs> Isn't it weird the millennials hate phone calls but love podcasts? Yeah, man. And then actually, you know, I'm I'm always talking about how I'm like uh in the middle, right? Between Gen X and Millennials. And yeah. I realized that I am fucking in the middle because in this communication shit, because like uh old people they like in comedy comedy business old people yeah they like to text you you know what i mean like old comics they like to be confirmed for their spots and shit on text interesting and to me i'm like texts are for friends and for hookups and for drugs (laughs) you know not not because you can't mark them unread you know like you can't (laughs) be like i'll get back to this i'll circle back like it's not business mode yeah it's like an old guy thing to be like what's your eta or whatever yeah totally it's (laughs) it's like they're like i'm being so cool by texting you but that means they're the kind of like old guy they would have called you to be like what time should it be at the show (laughs) you know and it's like ah don't do that but i i try to adjust because then like the younger ones uh younger than me i should say they are way too comfortable with social media business and then i don't like that either so i feel too old for them because i'm like why are you dming me about business yeah you should send this through email which is the business channel (laughs) it's a fucking nightmare because every yeah there's no official like business channels and personal channels anymore everything's a mix of everything yeah so you have to kind of keep them all open and that also creates this opportunity for people to greatly like make great assumptions about your boundaries and stuff. It's the kind of a thing I've been thinking about a lot. Cause I'm thinking about when I'm now that I'm done with this tour, like, okay, you know, this was a lot. Like I kind of spread myself thin. Maybe I'll do one of these cleanses and just sort of lock everything off and stuff. And, but then it's like, you, f- you fuck yourself though. Cause it's like, you, if you, you shut your DMS off on a social media thing or something like that, or you don't give everyone, you know, your phone number, it's like, that's the same yeah. channel that business is coming through that you might get a job from. And it's yeah. also the one that someone is just like poking you like, what's up? And yeah, it's like, I'm in town. You want to get drunk? And you're like, ah, why is it? Why are these two uh, <laughs> things on the same thing? I don't know. It yeah. just creates these situations where it's like you, I would feel like a dick if I was like, stop, <laughs> like stop hitting yeah. me up like this. Hit yeah. me up through the normal channels. You know, it's totally. weird. And I have people like that I kind of like let kind of like take advantage of it too much. And now like they were f- they think we're really close. And I guess we are because <laughs> I'm just like yeah. letting it happen. And I'm like, I don't know. This is kind of like some of that Punisher stuff I was talking about at the New York show or whatever. But like the whole thing is just I don't know. It's by part of modern life. That's really frustrating. I guess. Yeah. I mean, like of the fact that we have so many changing platforms and avenues for communication and stuff but like can i tell you something that i think is kind of interesting i don't know uh i don't know if i mentioned this here but you know i'm into like uh labor behavior work 
workplace behavior studies and stuff like that. Uh-huh. So I read stuff like uh, the Harvard Business Review. I don't know if you've ever read it, but it's pretty good. It's um, they it's a publication that basically does a lot of studies and uh, surveys and stuff like that about just like polling modern workers about working conditions, about goals, desires, leadership, like all this kind of shit, right? And uh, recently, they've been putting out a lot of studies and surveys about the whole like work from home versus going back to office, return to office, right? Yeah. And it has been really interesting what has been kind of the, the I guess, the trends that have been coming up, right? So hear me out, because, you know, uh, for those of us who work in offices, the return to office shit has been framed by leadership as like, oh my God, you know, we have to get back to face to face time, FaceTime. <laughs> you know, like they're like so sure that like business is missing something without that face to face time when we get to engage with each other and just stop by each other's office and drop by your desk and chat by, chat about shit or whatever. Right. Yeah, it's dumb. Yeah, dude. And because they're the bosses, these older people where a lot of us are having to go back to the office, right? Yeah. And the Harvard Business Review did this like survey, right? And what they found is that it is basically a generational divide because what's happening is that the older generations who are the leaders in most industries, they are the ones who are not comfortable doing business online. You know what I mean? Like they're the ones who are not comfortable learning new platforms and like, uh, having to do things on Zoom and having to explain their thoughts via email and through Slack instead of having, you know, a, a room full of people listening to them at all, at one time. Yeah. So they have convinced themselves and have made policy around the fact that, like, it is absolutely necessary to have FaceTime, right? Yeah. But then when Harvard Business Review talks to the younger generations of workers, what they say is, like, we're completely i and i count myself amongst the young right we're completely comfortable with doing business online with expressing our thoughts in a written manner through like either instant message of some kind or through email and being patient and waiting for like you know a complete response from the person you sent all these multiple points to or whatever yeah um another key finding is that uh we also the people who work in the younger way let's say um we also don't uh the majority of our friendship and our social world doesn't come from our work and the older generations all of their friendships and shit came from the office and they think of it as like being in the office and making friends is very important to you the richness of your life yeah but they don't see that newer generations don't need the office to provide richness of social life we have like des- like hobbies and interests and desires and things we're involved with and social circles outside of work and we just go to work so the things we're actually interested in for work are how much do you pay us <laughs> how's our work-life balance <laughs> what are our benefits not do we spend FaceTime with the boss and do you like us and are we all friends and do we go out to drink on Fridays because we're just not that culture anymore we have those fun things elsewhere and that's just gotten me thinking about like the generational divide in comedy or like in the entertainment industry and how i guess maybe like some of the people especially industry i tend to see industry as doing business the old way right they are insisting on facetime and fucking 
I don't know, backroom deals and fucking trust falls and shit, <laughs> you know, and <laughs> younger comics are just like, just tell me what I need to do. I can make clips. I can put videos. I can do characters like, you know, like what is the thing that I need to do? Because yeah. I have friends and I have people I can quote network with that I enjoy all the rest of the time. And with you, I just want to do business. So tell me how to do business, you know? Oh, totally. Yeah, I hate the old way of like you having to be fucking friends with the club owner and yeah. shit and like go to their house for dinner and crap like that. No, oh, man, I just want to do the fucking thing I came here to do. I don't have to consume my entire life. And that's like totally like related also to just the material reality of like the economy and stuff. Cause like yeah. technology is part of it, but also like people used to have a job for their entire life, you know? And yeah. the millennials are all we hop from gig to gig. It's understood. We're all pirates, you know? We're all like independent yeah. contractors and shit. So there isn't like this assumption. It would be heartbreaking if you fucking made like like close friends with everyone at every job you were ever at because you have yeah. to fucking leave. Like in the You'd be crushed every month, every year. Yeah. yeah. Like, every nine months. <laughs> yeah. So we like naturally form uh you know, our lives and our bonds differently and stuff. That's really interesting. It kind of made me think about something really odd. Uh, come with me on this. This is somewhat adjacent. Uh, but, like, I had a friend who worked in a porn store one time. And I asked him, like, who the, you know, side of the road porn store. You see them when you're driving across America and stuff. Big weird warehouse thing. Yeah. Like, who comes in here and buys like these old magazines and Truckers? stuff like that? I don't know. Yeah. He was like old people, like old guys <laughs> that don't, they just never transitioned to watching pornography on the internet. <laughs> like they're stuck in their ways. Yeah. And so they're like, yeah, you come in with a trench coat and you buy a magazine and you <laughs> take it home or whatever and put it in your bathroom or whatever the fuck. But like, um, you know, I mean, that's just like a, it's, it's funny that, that people get stuck in their ways i am a uh, an angry young man and i think it's important to make fun of these things i in comedy the thing that always kills me about this is like um <laughs> old comics i remember when like twitter first came out they'd be like ah this twitter thing that's yeah. not even like really comedy like if you you know yeah you can write a tweet but can you tell it on stage and yada 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 and they would say like first they would all go this is a fad and then, like, six months later, they'd all be desperately trying to fucking right, be. Yeah. And also buying bots and stuff. So they would be yeah. like, oh, I'm still established as the alpha comedian in town, right? I have yeah. the most followers. But, they're like, you and don't. And they tried to do the thing of, like, this is doing giving it away for free. Yeah, like, remember all that, that sort of that stuff. vibe. Yeah. And I remember, like, a comic at one point telling me, like, and a guy I really respected who is very funny, but it's just an older generation, was like, you got to get a business card. <laughs> and, like... <laughs> You know, Cute. you gotta have a even like even like a website. Like he was like, you gotta have a website, and I was like, I don't no. actually think anyone goes to websites other than old people that fucking. I have it for you, like oh uh, man, and bookers, you motherfuckers. Yeah, you bookers. know why you do need a you know why you need a website just because we need your bio, dude. That's basically you ask it. us for your bio, and we need like an updated thing that says your credits and whatever, and it shouldn't be any of our job. We should be able to just Google it and be able to be like, boom, a paragraph that says Jake Flores started in Austin, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And here's the things he did. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's literally the only thing. Yeah. That's a legitimate reason. I mean, that's why yeah. I have one. But also, it's just because yeah. I'm like, okay, well, I literally am paying for a thing that's going to give me credibility with old bookers who see that and go, this means you're a real comic. I'm like, this is a huge trick. But, um, yeah, but like also the other thing though, is that 
older comics and bookers and stuff like that will like when you're young in the, in comedy they will uh sort of like what's the word like they'll talk down to you about this and be like you got to do all this yeah. stuff and then you know they'll be like don't do this don't do that don't wear a hoodie don't fucking be an internet comic or whatever and then like they're all just little hoops to jump through but then you go and you actually like you're like who who's getting booked who's headlining next week and it's like a fucking YouTube person because they just went, <laughs> oh, actually, this person surprised me with having a huge following. Yeah. So they're not like they violate their own kind of standards, I guess, as I'm getting at. And then they're like, oh, OK, well, this new stuff is actually we should get on top of it because we're it makes us the booker feel like we're, um, you know, up to like we're keeping up with new stuff by. Yeah following you know this new thing or whatever and so i guess what i'm saying is like if you're a young comic and a booker is telling you how to act and they're telling you to operate exactly like one of their older comics don't do that because they won't book you <laughs> like they need you to then to go out and then establish yourself as a fucking thing that they then will go oh shit this we should book this because because this is like it's like a circle or something. I can't, I can't, it's hard to describe. Like in Austin, I just always was like, Oh, I got to leave the city because I will never, <laughs> they'll never work me all the way up the ladder, yeah. but I'll leave. And then they'll go all oh, fucking, you know, I hear about you doing all this stuff elsewhere. Okay. Come headline the club or whatever yeah. the fuck, you know, and you jump, you jump the spots in the ladder. That's why it's all bullshit. But, uh, you know, I thought it was interesting in the sense, this shit about whatever the generational divide, I guess, because don't you think that, it does seem like maybe it is a signal that our relationship with work is changing, you know, uh, or has changed because these older generations, like they still were so anchored. They still are so anchored to like the workplace being like part of where they got their social world. I think it's also part of where, what like made the nuclear family and shit like that tolerable because they had like their 40 to 60 hours away from the family. Yeah. You know, in an office and they got to be like a cool man at work, you know, stopping by everybody's desks, having drinks at four o'clock and whatever. Yeah. And now they have to be home and hear their children screaming. <laughs> <laughs> it's hell. Yeah. And so it's like, um, interesting because, it, I I think that it's kind of this is a signal of how much our attitude towards work and our material reality also has changed. Yeah. And therefore, our relationship with work has changed because I don't think moving forward, any generations are going to be like our current leadership. That's I want to say kind of dying out with this like corporate culture of like. We gotta get together and fucking do team building, blah blah. Yeah, no. Eventually they'll die. Magazine, porno magazines yeah. are not gonna come back. It's yeah. Eventually, the last people that watch buy them or whatever are going to die, and yeah. then things are gonna fucking go a certain way. You know, this kind of reminds me of. Yeah. Um. I mean, no. Tell me. <laughs> the, the Office, like the TV show. Okay. The British one was kind of anti-worky. I hear, like in its in in its initial like uh premise was making fun of you know this boss at this office and it was more of like an office space vibe of like you know fuck all this shit and what's yeah. weird about the american version is i think because of what you're talking about like the office culture and stuff 
it took it took that premise and then eventually flipped it around. I don't know if you watched the whole thing, but you know, obviously, there's yeah. like the r- romance between Jim and Pam and stuff, and it gets very touchy feely, and it becomes this like show about how like it's actually very good that your people that you work with at this fucking stupid office are like your richest friendships and yeah. stuff like that, and where you find your Dude, romantic and not just partner that, but where stuff. the workers are mad that the boss doesn't do anything, which is fine. That's a worker stance, but it's like the workers want to work more. Yeah. I mean, like we like Dwight and Dwight is a fucking nerd who just wants to follow all the rules and wants people to get in trouble for breaking the rules and wants to be the best at everything according to the rules. You know (laughs) what I mean? So it is like a real flip on the, I don't know, like on the generational, I guess, like, you know, like Michael, I guess that's that's his name, right? Like yeah. Michael, I think was like um, sort of like what I'm saying now are the current uh, Gen X and older leaders who are like, yeah, yeah, man, we love to meet up, have FaceTime, have 3 p.m. drinks, have whatever. You know, yeah, like, totally. We're all buddies. <laughs> These are my friends. They're gonna go to my wedding. <laughs> <laughs> and all of the workers that worked for Michael were like, ah, oh, we just wish you could do a good job and like we could all just get our work done and get paid well and <laughs> yeah not have problems i guess what's crazy about the american office though is that yeah. like what you just described of like the workers kind of criticism of their boss yeah that's good that's the original that's basically intact from the original okay. show but the thing that makes the american office unique is that by the end of the story, they're all kind of coming around and they're like, you know, so like, yeah, we love Michael. He, yeah, we he's love a good boss. guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like at the end of the, oh, you know, he, he's yeah. like funny because he's like, you know, a dorky, annoying boss. But like there's and always this feel good moment. person on earth. Yeah. Every once in a while, he's really good at his job or something. And then like oh. somebody like respects him or something. And you're like, no, you know, or he this... does something nice out of feelings. Yeah. Like, like he <laughs> saves somebody's job or something, you know, which is like nice stuff. But the whole rest of the year, you have been making people's job harder and their life harder and been an obstacle to them being able to just go home to their family yeah. without stress, <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, I think it really, like, ultimately that seals that the point of the point of view of the show is, like, trying to, like, whitewash this fucking thing that we know as Marxists is like, no, this is the fucking central conflict of my life i don't want to fucking go to work i don't want to go work for somebody else and sell paper fuck that shit you know like i'd rather be i'd rather watch a story that is angry about that and sees it for what it is rather than like it just fucking feels so officey they're so fun (laughs) yeah it it feels like when they you know go here hang up this calendar in your cubicle and you know make this boring experience like tolerable sucks well so let me uh, kind of like throw a left turn here, which doesn't mean that we have to get away from this, but sort of related in the sense of things that um, seem to be changing recently, right? Yeah. Uh, can we talk about abortion, Jake? Hell yeah. Let's have an abortion episode. Of yeah. course. I think we're uh, pro-abortion. We're not even pro-choice. We're pro-abortion <laughs> on this podcast. Yeah, no, Absolutely. But um, I wanted to talk about it, especially with you, because I have a specific observation about men and the discourse of abortion. Okay. Are you you ready to speak for your gender? (laughs) Sure, yeah. (laughs) Okay. So, actually, this is kind of nice. I kind of am coming with a 
a peace offering maybe of like, I think that I'm seeing something where we women have been confusing men and like the message we had been giving you is changing now. And therefore it would be fair if you feel confused. Okay. Not you personally, but all men. Okay. And what I mean by this is I am of the age where I am very much familiar with the idea that when it comes to abortion discourse, men should not speak on it because it doesn't affect their bodies. It is not their choice. They should not be having opinions over women's bodies. Have you ever heard that before? Yeah, totally. That's the thing you hear a right? lot. There's it's like a common, a thing common you hear a lot. joke of like, you know, uh, why do men even get to vote on this? Which is like, yeah, uh, I get what they're saying, but I'm, I'm like, I get what they're saying. Right. Yeah. I know. Let's not jump ahead, but I get what they're saying. But I would say like, what's weird or what I'm trying to point out is that, you know, when culture changes, it is obviously not a clean break where everyone switches their opinion right yeah there it's like an overlapping sort of fading kind of thing as another idea increases and takes over right and so right now we are kind of in this overlapping space where different women are saying different things publicly and that's i guess what i want to bring up because you know like i even saw last week a woman comic, she's younger than I am, but she's a podcast. It's fairly popular. And she has, she does like call-ins and stuff. Mm-hmm. And she posted like, oh, you know, after the leak came out from the Supreme Court, she was like, I'm going to do an episode all about abortion. Uh, every, anybody who wants to call in and talk about their abortion, please call in and like whatever, you know, point of view you have about it, we're open to whichever. And then she like put in the caveat of like, only people who have had abortions can call it, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I keep seeing still like women that I would say are like 34 to 45, still sometimes making the uh, declaration that this is a topic only for women to speak on. And everyone else should just be quiet and listen to their experience on it. And then what I've been seeing from the younger generation of women is the actually like a bit of anger and demanding attitude towards men of like, why aren't you standing beside us and speaking up for pro-choice and for the defense of Roe versus Wade and for the defense of human rights and medical rights? that have nothing to do with gender, right? And I have, I feel like I should admit that I think at time, at times in the past, I have thought like the former group, but now I think like the latter group where I have come around to understanding that like the men who were pro-life, they never shut the fuck up. They are the ones making the laws. They are the ones making speeches about how they own our bodies and our ba- their babies are more important than our our humanity and whatever, right? Yeah. So when for maybe two decades, progressive women were being like, listen to women, men don't speak on this. The only men who were actually shutting up were the ones who agree with us. You get me? Yeah. Does that make sense? 
So while I get why we were pushing the idea that the voices that need to be heard are women's voices on this issue, I think that it's necessary that we like acknowledge the damage that we have done to ourselves by telling our ally men that they must shut up while our not allies, what do you call that? Enemy men (laughs) (laughs) or antagonist men. I don't know. They have never this whole time. They have not shut up and they have kept talking about God's will and fucking babies rights and whatever the fuck. Right. Yeah. And instead this is a time when we have something to learn from the younger generations who are pushing past the idea, you know, and again, I want to say this connects to everything we've been talking about for weeks of like radicalism is not about establishing a fact and sticking with it, but it's about using that fact as a foothold to move forward and undo the systems that made it necessary for you to establish that fact to begin with, to move forward. You get me? Yeah. So, the oh, young, oh. the young women. What the fuck just happened to you? <laughs> oh shit! I don't know what happened. <laughs> Something went to my eye. It stings real bad. <laughs> oh my god! Oh shit! I was just eating a taco, and I think I might have accidentally. <laughs> got like something really <laughs> spicy from it it just landed my fucking eyeball i'm listening oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh what the fuck just happened yeah like a piece of what like a uh, crunchy shell I, no like uh, a like a fucking hot sauce? So, like a something for hot sauce or something oh. there was a fly i don't know what the fuck just happened <laughs> i didn't mean to derail this though i think i'm all right <sighs> No, no, it's fine. I I remember what I was saying. So point being uh, that these younger generations of women, uh, when they are saying to men, let's say, and honestly, they're also speaking to those women, those of us who are saying to men, shut the fuck up and listen to our stories. They are right when they say like they're moving farther ahead of us, I think, by saying that abortion is not actually a gendered issue it is an, a medical rights issue it is a human rights issue it is something through which a category of humans can be subjugated and therefore we should be against it so for them to say you know i saw i've seen many young women tweeting for example like men should be talking about all the times that abortion kept their life from being derailed yeah totally like that's big time dude like you know i know myself included and i know women who have had abortions who didn't even like tell the dude who was responsible like we just dealt with it you know what i mean and just like yeah we don't even want to fucking involve you and like whatever and you just got to go along with your merry life yeah you might not even know that it (laughs) affected your life or you paid or you paid half the bill and you got to go on and go to college and get married to your fucking sweetheart and have babies and whatever the fuck, right? Yeah. All because you didn't have a kid at 17 because you paid $400 for your girlfriend to have an abortion. Yeah. That is shit you should all be talking about. Yeah. Um, mm. I think it was a fly. I think a fly just landed <laughs> in my eyeball and then did that thing where they spit yeah. acid when they land and it fucking went right in my eye. That was insane. And we caught it on the podcast. Um, but more importantly, I've been listening. And um, yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> this is just like every other fucking issue, though, where like the, the problem with liberals is they individuate things and make yeah. things into like uh, 
like for example, you know, by comparison, the Black Lives Matter stuff, like, yeah, you want to be respectful and go like, um, you know, we specifically understand that it's our job to, you know, get behind and support black people in this specific fucking part of this issue. But ultimately, when you get down to it, the police are against fucking all of us, like as just the working class. Right. So that's why it's like not <laughs> like you can't just go. I'm going to be an ally and fucking sit here and, you know, sit my white ass Quietly. down and listen and yeah. all that shit. Right. Um, but like with. The, yeah, no, I mean, with the fucking. But this is why you got to read theory and not just be following slogans and stuff like that. I mean, like, it's apparent to me that the what's happening, the project of the right wing here with this fucking with this, uh, you know, this just being kind of part of it, a big part of it, a fucked up part of it. But just part of it is like part of a larger project, which is to force like the family fucking structure back on all of us which fuck yeah if you're a guy that's a fucking problem i mean i also do not want to form a stupid fucking family if i don't you know unless i want to like i don't think anyone should i want a sticker i don't want to form a stupid fucking family (laughs) you know and i don't think anyone should be forced into that unless they fucking want it but that's what they're doing is trying to take away the you know things just like birth control and stuff like that that might give you agency and control over that even if you fucking want to later or something like that that they just are pushing this idea that like you know it's if it happens on accident that's god's will or whatever the fuck and like all of this does is keep us all fucking down because it keeps us subjugated as workers and shit like that and like you know it's part of how they make us uh continue to reproduce so that there's Mm -hmm. like a surplus labor pool and shit like that and uh I was talking to a friend um, and she pointed out, like I said something to her in passing and then she she was like, oh, like she, I guess, pointed out to me that that was not common knowledge. And I'm like, what? I thought this was. But you, I think you probably know this, that the majority of abortions in the United States are had by uh, women, married women who have already had a child. Really? One child? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So this is a verifiable statistic. And it's like, because it is a fucking family planning tool, it is not a fucking murder tool for sluts who don't want to use a condom. It is like literally the majority of women who have abortions in America are women who go with their husband and have already had one or two children and are like, no, we absolutely like we will be bankrupt if we have another child or one of us went back to grad school or the other one is like just got promoted and we're going back to work. You know, like it is not just a thing that is just done in these ways. Like every time they try to moralize it. That's why I don't even want to compare it to like, oh, girls getting drunk and getting an abortion. Because you know what? You could get drunk and get a fucking abortion if you want. All right. Just the same way as you could get drunk and get in a car crash if you want and get a nose job to fix your face after you fucking crashed it into the windshield. You know what I mean? Like, that is life. If you need a procedure and it is an available medical procedure, you get to choose to get that procedure. Period. End story. Yeah. And every argument that these conservatives make that obscures the fact that the procedure is a medical procedure used with caution and 
uh, discretion and ju good judgment is an attempt, as you were saying, to take away a tool that could give people an exit from just becoming part of the system that creates not just voters and not just future fodder for armies, but also for capitalism, for, you know, like you can't, you just cannot have billionaires without poor people. And if poor people find a way to not make more poor people, then billionaires are fucked. Yeah. There's also the fact that like these laws only de facto apply to poor people. Yeah. You overturn Roe versus Wade. If you're rich and you're part of the fucking ruling class, and you've got, you know, you're some guy and you you knock up your mistress or whatever, you're going to figure out how to get an abortion because yeah. you have all these resources and power and shit. And it's strictly social control for poor people who, you know, they fucking think we're stupid. They look down on us and think that we don't know, you know, uh, what do you call it? Our, our own interest or whatever the fuck. And yeah. that's evil and sucks. I hate it. Yeah. And I mean, I, I just feel like... um earlier maybe last year when i got a little bit yelled at about getting upset about people using like like telling their stories about abortion i just want to connect it to this because i feel like it's important to say like i understand where we were all coming from in this period of feminism where we were all like we have to tell our stories right because our stories used to not be told and so it was really important that we got them out there but we have to move past the representational fucking bullshit of just our story needs to be heard and take it out of emotional language and into legal and medical language and into an expectation beyond, I just want you to see me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because honestly, we've tried that and it's not fucking working. It fucking literally is not working. It doesn't matter if you look like the granddaughter of the fucking guy on the Supreme Court making the decision. It's fucking not working. Yeah. So it does have to be something where you, we all need to stop being complicit in, in the way that they're framing this as a moral issue. Because every time that we tell our story of why it's justifiable that we had an abortion you are adding to the idea that some people don't have justifiable stories. Totally. There's like um, a big problem with kind of the lib side of like yeah. abortion messaging, which is like um, the, yeah, like what you're saying, the emotional appeal thing, it kind of creates actually a bad situation because you're implying um, like there's a, <laughs> there's a Doug Stanhope joke about this. It's, fucked up obviously it's about abortion but he's talking about how uh people say they're against abortion except in the case of rape and he's like working through the logistics of that and goes mm -hmm. so you're telling me you think that i'm a human being unless my dad was an asshole or whatever that's like, <laughs> how he True. Gets it. yeah dude and it's like yeah no it's not about whether the thing is a human being or not it's not about yeah. any of this stuff like start the argument where it starts this is yeah. birth control this is fucking healthcare. like it's that yeah. simple you it's don't bodily autonomy yeah it's... you don't need to qualify it and go in some cases it's okay in some cases it isn't like yeah. you need to be okay with somebody I mean, you know, like God. a person can literally have a tumor in their body that's going to kill them and choose not to take it out. So if you can choose to not live by not having a procedure, you can also choose to live by having a procedure. You yeah. know what I mean? Or like ha live different. I don't know. It just seems 
um, arbitrary and not arbitrary, actually very precise and meant to do this thing of reinforcing the nuclear family as a system that is in service of capitalism. Yeah. And I almost like, you know, I think that's some, one of the things that I wanted to, or like I started to bring up to you a few weeks ago is this like idea of uh, sometimes tree root tree logic is useful if we're trying to kind of like uh, dismantle how a particular concept or system has power over us, right? So like a rhizome will tell us, yes, there's like a lot of things that go into creating X, right? But if one of those things that go into creating X is consistent across all of the X's or all of the variants, right? Then a little bit root tree logic is useful and necessary because we do have a common branch, I guess, right? Mm -hmm. Going through all of our rhizomes. And in this case, it is capitalism. And I just keep thinking about how I just don't see enough people really engaging with the problem of abortion being banned as a anti-worker, anti-woman, anti-poor, anti-working class, you know, like policy. And instead they're engaging with it in all these liberal ways of like, in all these liberal concepts of ideology of like individualism and personal choice and freedom, (laughs) you know, and like all this like dumb bullshit instead of just, yeah. It's appealing to reduce it to they hate women, right? Which is like part of it is, you know, there's like, um, part of this where this is motivated by you know just general misogyny and stuff but i'm gonna try to find this quote i retweeted this guy the other day because he said something really succinct and it was about individuation i think he's talking about police but it's like it totally applies to what we're saying here i think it's um well well, you while you look for it that's exactly kind of what i'm trying to get at that i don't think it's helpful to talk about abortion in terms of how it helps individuals and I think we should be talking about how it is a necessary uh, part of having a healthy society. Yeah. Yeah. Did you find the quote? Yeah. So this guy, Queer Socialism, said this. He said, uh, he's, talking, yeah, he's talking about something else, but I think the same fundamentals apply. He goes, the continued, the continued liberal attempt to re- de-radicalize and render incoherent, and render incoherent critiques of white supremacy by placating it as merely an individual attitude or belief as opposed to a dominant governing logic of Western civil society is responsible for the individuating of racial terror. So like this thing with even this argument where we kind of make it, it about the other team is, has a bad individual belief sets up all of these fucking pitfalls like the idea that we can just appeal to them and explain because like you've just got you've got a bad attitude about it but i can fucking humanize and make you feel better or whatever that's not what's going on here what's going on here is ideological fucking battle between the ways that we think society should be laid out absolutely and the way that they think it should be laid out includes women's subjugation to the necessary amount of birthing to maintain the levels of labor army and poor fodder yeah like people say you know sometimes like oh well they say they're pro-family but they're actually anti-woman no 
they're pro-family. You yeah. need to confront why that's bad. What family is, exactly. Yeah, family fucking is like the bedrock of what they're doing here with social control. To be control. honest with you, um, Cole and Ty really put it the best way that I have ever heard, which is um, that it's like a trick that capitalism got away with is to um, force the nuclear family to subsidize the production of workers instead of the state having to be responsible for producing the workers necessary to keep the systems going. Totally. You get me? So it's like a price cut, basically, or like a budget cut, where capitalism eschews any responsibility for the education, feeding, housing, maintenance of birthing and growing future workers to keep society going, and puts it entirely on the nuclear family to have the responsibility to birth care for feed educate grow and on top of that there's like a moral like if you didn't take care of your kids correctly and give them every opportunity to be good workers then you're a bad parent (laughs) it's so fucking fucked up jake yeah it's like literally uh like the machine convinced you all to make little cogs for it and then the machine is constantly making you feel like you're not good enough at making cogs for it yeah and that like it's super shitty that like individuating of responsibility is so insidious like i was kind of just thinking about this just now because i'm staying at my friend's house and i'm in california and i'm in a different place and they have like separated recycling and trash and i was thinking about how that's like um that's like annoying because in order to solve problems related to like the impending doom of the climate and stuff like that they should be doing all this state level stuff, but instead it comes out to putting this burden on me. And I guess I was thinking about this cause it's always stressed yeah. me out. I never know which fucking hole to put the fucking spoon and the, you know, <laughs> cardboard in or the trash or whatever. Like I'm always fucking this up. Everyone's always fucking it up. I fucking know that these things do not make it to their respective mm-hmm. holes. And yeah. then, you know, none of this all facade. And the way that it fucking works is by p- making you feel like it's your individual decision to fucking yeah. do any of this stuff. And it's like, it's so clever. They always use that to get out of the responsibility that in theory, the state has for yeah. fucking any of this shit. The thing we're talking about, the family, the, you know, yeah. climate stuff, all of it. But isn't it interesting, though, that we're kind of like contradicting ourselves, right? As we both agree on everything we're saying, because then also we started with or I started with like you speaking up for what you believe in does matter. So like regardless of your gender, if you believe that any person, regardless of their gender, should have full autonomy over their body and whatever medical procedures they choose to go through, then you should speak up about that, especially if it has had any positive effect on your life. Then that means I am saying that I think your voice matters and you individually have a responsibility to act. And I think that's not contradictory to saying that it's fucked up that you have accepted so much personal responsibility for this systematic thing that you shouldn't be responsible for because, dude, the natural version of humanity is not one person or two people are fully responsible for the full development of another human being <laughs> you know what i mean yeah it was we we were pack animals we're communal animals <laughs> we are a village it takes a village animals you know what i mean yeah so this 
this stress, this new fucking thing that capitalism has created of making it all entirely on a person, whether or not they're good at making new people, is so shitty. It's so fucked up. And that's, I mean, like, obviously it's your personal responsibility to be as be- the good, as best parent as you can. Oh, I don't know. I guess what I'm trying to say is, what do you think about this com- this conflict that we often land upon where I think we both do at times believe in autonomy and agency and other times we feel like autonomy and agency don't stand a chance in, in the face of the systemic. Yeah. And I don't think those two, like, I think they can both be true at once, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. This always makes me think about John Brown and having read all that shit about him and going like, "Yeah, how well, so? Tell me." Well, because like the uh, I so I, what a couple years ago for PDA, I read the biography of John Brown and was like, you know, his story is fucking tight, and he kind of single handedly like catalyzed the conditions that led to the Civil War and ended slavery. But I was remember reading his book or re- reading the book that this guy wrote about him and realizing that the author was kind of a libertarian bent guy and was very much like playing up like, yes, one individual can change the world. And like yeah. that is contradictory to like Marxism because it's like great man theory or whatever. Right. But it's like it kind of isn't. It kind of isn't like because John Brown didn't change the world. He catalyzed a change that happened to the world. Yeah. And he also like. Um, you, you have to do both. Like you have to, you have to use your individual voice in order to then as much as you can cause it, yeah. systemic stuff to happen. And like what you're saying about like, um, I mean, I guess what you're saying about like, you know, us telling our personal experiences with abortion and stuff like that. It's not wrong, but it's insufficient. But I also think like, I don't, I think it's like a failing liberal idea that you simply just tell your story and then have people empathize with it. The point I think is to get to consciousness about this, about it being unionizing. Yeah. yeah, About what we're saying about how it's, it's part of the fucking oppressive system of recreating workers for the machine. And if you can use your individual voice to explain that, well then you just use your individual voice to push a thing that is inherently not individual yeah so like it's all kind of synthesized i guess i don't know yeah it's weird but it's it's sort of like uh you know i think uh next episode i'd like to talk to you about the movie old maybe for our patreon episode i have we have so much to catch up on so when you are back we're gonna do probably patreon episodes every week and we're gonna have like full patreon episodes i think with actual topics but i want to talk about old because related to this because um Fuck, I forgot why. Because of the idea that like, oh, because of living for the present. That's why. Because of the idea of living for the present, I think necessarily means that you have to believe that you have agency and that what you do and what you say matters and therefore you must do it and say it. But also understanding that there are historical, systemic, huge things that existed before you that predefine the world and who you are that you can't singularly change yeah and i think that's a thing that you can only like you can only hold both of those truths in hand if you live for the present 
because the people who live entirely for the past are the ones who are like, the world is how it is and I can't beat it. And they're defeated by it. And they accept that all the systems are the way they are. And honestly, you know, I understand why they just don't feel any possibility of changing it. So they're not people who look to the future as anything worthy of anything. And they certainly don't live in the present because they're obsessed with how the past fucked them. Right. Yeah. To live in a certain way in the present. And then there are people who are obsessed with the future who think about um, all the ways that the future will be better (laughs) and different and that they've earned a different thing. And they are either ignorant of or choose to pretend not to see the historical and systemic things that predefine their life, right? Like when a, whenever a white person is like, well, I, I never owned slaves. What does that have to do with me? That's a lives in the future person. Yeah. Right? And only if we live in the present can we understand that, yes, our agency matters and is something that we should be using every single day and stepping into every single day. But it doesn't mean that it erases single-handedly history and like systemic hegemony and oppression. Yeah, I mean, this is like reminding me of that like really famous Marx quote where he says, "Man makes his own history, but he does not make it as he pleases." Yeah, there's like a space within you are aware that you have agency in the present now, and you know you're not. Maybe you just push it at some. Point. It's limited by everything that came before. Yeah. Exactly. It's almost like you're in a, a slow, what do you call that? Like mud. Like slow mud. I forget. But Quicksand. Quicksand. Thank you. <laughs> slow mud. <laughs> slow mud. <laughs> Quicksand. Uh, this, yeah. This also kind of reminds me of something uh, my friend Rory tweeted the other day. He was talking about Elon mm-hmm. Musk's fans and how they're like if their thing with Elon Musk is that what he represents to him, to them is just constantly alluding to this like Jetsons future where everything is going to be so much better because of his like stupid inventions and stuff. But like, it's completely devoid of an active role that anyone plays in it. It's just Elon Musk is very like placating to his fans because he's just like, I'm going to do it. It's just going to happen. And it's completely ignoring the the his historical past, right? Where it's like he's a genius because look at all he's done, but it ignores that he already came from wealth that came from extracting wealth and resources from South Africa. <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, it he didn't. He's not a spontaneous genius that came out of nowhere ten years ago. You know. Yeah, I think a lot of those people just think that like because. Uh, especially if you're into tech stuff you know you're always just like wow look at these inventions and how much better everything's gotten because we have these things now so you just kind of assume that the arc of history is like constantly bending upward and greater and like everything's getting better but like things you know it's the reality is it's kind of like both like we're getting better technology and worse social relations at the same time which is what's something that's so fucked up about capitalism like we yeah. are getting better stuff that in theory could be used to make our lives better. But then we're like, we're still engaged with distributing it and stuff like that in a way where it's 
fucked up. Everything's planned, obsolescence. Everyone's poor. There's people in tent cities and shit like that. Like, we're not living in a utopia. We're living in... Not at all. Dude, Jake, I was even reading about something about, like... um, So, you know, like, technically, we do have the uh, technology for a lot of jobs to be automated, right? Yeah. But the reason that they haven't become automated... I mean, I don't know if this is just, like, fucking conspiracy theory shit but like it makes sense to me (laughs) like that a lot of our conspiracy theory lore science fiction lore leans towards this idea that uh technology will replace humans yeah but it actually doesn't benefit capitalism for technology to replace humans right it is sort of like the way that pharmaceutical companies if they do find a cures for things where it's more profitable for them to continue providing the treatment for the lifetime disease versus curing it yeah they can just put the cure in a fucking lockbox and they own all the rights and ip and whatever the fuck so they don't have to release it right yeah it's a similar thing with capitalism I I was re- I'm gonna find it's like a theorist not like a quack a crackpot was <laughs> 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 like you know uh just because we have the capacity to automate work doesn't mean that that's actually where capitalism will lead us because capitalism does need the actual bodies to be the filler. You understand me? Because we provide the, the, we are part of the cog of the machine of providing labor and creating value. (laughs) Machines will not do that. Yeah. Does that make sense? I'm gonna find you the thing. We're gonna no, no. We I saw yeah when I read Capital, yeah. we like talked so, about this a lot because it, did we? Okay. Well, no, I, I in my you did with somebody group, else. but yeah. like yeah, it's really the, the math on it is tricky because it's like you think it would be uh advan- advantageous to the boss to have like automated a lot of stuff, and it's true, but it, like because of the nature of value being a social idea that exists in the human economy like you still have seeing it with nfts and shit like that yeah really clearly where like rich people buying nfts doesn't mean that they are holding something like they have effectively lost money unless a bunch of other people also buy into this idea that this has value yeah yeah, because you right? need to, like, yeah. I mean, if you automate everyone out of the workforce, you don't have anyone to sell any of the shit to mm-hmm. that you're, like, that exactly. you're making. that you're manufacturing, yeah. 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 Yeah, so I don't know where we started with this, but I do think we should call this episode uh, Slow Mud. <laughs> <laughs> Slow Mud. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a 90s song. I love it, like a 90s alt song. Tell, tell Max to write me a song called Slow Mud. I will. <laughs> uh dude so what's up when do you come back hmm? i miss you uh-huh. uh pretty soon in a few days i'm just hanging out in la yeah. for a couple days at the end of this and then i'm back and hey, hanging out hanging out or are you gonna do shows what are you gonna do honestly somebody offered me one and i turned it down because i was good like the last show of this tour was so good and i don't yeah. want to i want to keep Ruin that it with a bar show yeah <laughs> yeah and i'm like tired yeah. of performing and i'm not gonna make any money if i do it unless like you get a yeah. really good one or something but honestly i kind of think yeah take a break I'll just hang out because i'm like man the decompression that happens at the end of this sort of experience is like insane and 
I was talking to Mishka the other day. He came to the Tucson show and he was like, he's like, I'm happy that you're having such a good time, but I'm more happy about how depressed you're going to be at the end of all this. <laughs> and he, what a was, dick. he was right, though. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like completely just fucking adjusting back into like not moving hyper fast like that. And it's like yeah. it's so depressing for some reason, but I had a great fucking time. I feel really good. I'm just really tired. That's why I'm podcasting laying down right now. I know. I've never seen this before. It's <laughs> the first time ever in Why You Mad History that you have podcasted laying down. I will say we have had a pretty good rhythm where I've interrupted very little. <laughs> yeah, no, but we're good. We're yeah, good. Jake laying down and me being a nice amount of high. Oh, because I got... <gasps> Is this too much information for the podcast? I got a new IUD yesterday. Oh, I tweeted about it, so it's fine. It's no, fine. we've been talking about birth control and shit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but let me throw out, this is going to be my plug for the show. Yes, go to Planned Parenthood. Support Planned Parenthood. Um, I will tell you this. I had no insurance, so my IUD... Oh, I have two plugs. <laughs> two plugs. One is, Jake, do you... Do you remember that I've been hiding because I have terrible, like I had like a terrible acne explosion for the last like three or four months? I don't know if I, no, I, didn't, about it. I didn't know that. Yeah, dude. Uh, I thought that I was like having adult acne for the first time ever, but it turns out that it is a common thing that women, some women have a bad reaction when they get an IUD, that oh. they get really bad acne. That did not happen to me. What happened to me was when my IUD ran out, okay, I got a fucking acne explosion because my hormones ran out and I didn't like change it in time. You get me? Yeah. So I got a new one. It hurt like hell, but without insurance, I want to tell you, like I called my doctor and I was like, look, I don't have insurance, but I obviously need a new IUD. Like how much is that going to cost? And they quoted me like $1,500, Jake. Damn. They were like... You know, it costs this much to take it out. And then they have to do labs to, you know, anytime a foreign object gets taken out of your body, they have to do labs on it to make sure you don't have cancer or anything bad. Yeah. So that costs money. And then they're like, and then the new IUD costs money and putting it in. So it's like a parts and labor situation. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then they're like, it'll be like about 14, 1500. And I was like, oh, fuck. So like I was like saving, waiting, like seeing if I got a staff job and got insurance. So I waited like right to the end. And that's why my fucking face exploded with acne. Well, it's just my chin, but it's been horrible. It's been a horrible experience. And then I was like, okay, fuck it. I'm ready. But I decided to go to Planned Parenthood. And I go to Planned Parenthood this week. And first of all, awesome experience. Everybody was excellent, super knowledgeable and kind and great and only spoke in medical and legal language and did not ever moralize anything. And I loved it. And my fucking total cost was $750, Jake. Damn. I expected to spend $1,500. So just know that if you go to any kind of private doctor, they're going to charge you a lot more than Planned Parenthood will. So go support Planned Parenthood for all your parts and labor needs for your body. <laughs> okay, good to know. Yeah, that's my plug. What about you? What are you doing besides resting? Anything you want to plug? Um... I'm on Benadryl right now. I want to plug Benadryl. It's pretty fun. Yeah. <laughs> I'm allergic <laughs> to something here, and so I took it, and I'm like, you know, I feel like I'm on lean or something. Um, God, no. Uh, no, I don't have any... Oh, fuck, I do have a show actually coming up in New York. Oh, I don't remember the date. It's like, it's like next week. 
It's uh, a live internet thing. It's called Digital Void Fest. I don't know. Look that up. <laughs> look then, it up. It'll be on his pinned tweet. Yeah. You know the deal. Other you know that, the deal. Nothing. And uh, when Jake is back from his vacation, we'll uh, get back on track with our Patreon episodes and we'll do full lap full lips, I think. Um, and that's it. I don't know. Join if you'd like to hear and support the show. We're a very unstructured, very communist uh, <laughs> podcast situation over here. Yeah. Um, that's it. I don't have any other plugs. Um, I just want to reiterate, a fly went into my eyeball during the podcast, and I think I still <laughs> stayed on topic. So that's what you're... I love it. That's why in you case should... you die, in case you die while we're recording, you leave everything to me, right? Yeah, no, you can have the Patreon. Yes. There you go. <laughs> and the cat. And Murray. Ooh. And Murray. Who are you going to leave Murray to, bro? Maybe my roommate. Come on. Who? <laughs> Doug. I mean, he takes care of Murray. Doug? Town. <sighs> I, I don't know. You have to fight. Hey, listen, I'm not dead yet. So. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I'm not going to fight Doug. If you think Doug is a good fucking parent, that's fine. I'm not saying shit. What else are you leaving me? Okay, we can talk about this. I'm not going to die. So this is a <laughs> conversation. I will never die. <laughs> I kind of feel like I might die right now, though, because I just did 24 shows in a row doing <laughs> two sets. Yeah, dude. Half hour comedy. Listen, rest, write shit, you know, carry a little notebook around, write some shit down, do some acid. I might. Get laid. So, somebody gave me some mushrooms at some point. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, maybe now. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing to do, man. People love to come up to you when you're in the most stressful situation of your life and then give you, like, DMT <laughs> or something. And you're like, I'm not going to do this right now. Damn, this will not help. <laughs> How? <laughs> like, or, like, acid, where it's, like, an 11-hour experience or whatever. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> How? Um. That being said, I, I did some drugs on the road, and it was a good time. So continue giving them to me, please, when you come to the shows. Yes. Also, give Jake drugs for me, but specify that they're for me. Yeah. So he has to save them. <laughs> 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 All right. Let's get the fuck out of here. I'm happy to go to bed early. You know, I just recently had a IUD installed as I just shared with our entire audience. So I'm, I'm a little bloated. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to lay down. Yeah, exactly. Watch I'm lay some... down like Jake. I've been watching him lay down the whole hour. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I will watch that old movie. Okay, this is the first time I've been able watch to it. watch anything for like a month. Yeah, watch it. You know why? Because it's like one that you know it's an M, M. Night Shyamalan Shyamalan one, and uh, everybody hated it. Was what I remember. The beach they... that makes you old. Yeah, and people fucking hated it, and I thought it was pretty excellent. And the more I think about it, the more I like it, and we've got a lot to talk about, I think. I don't know. Watch it. See if you enjoy. All right. All right, dude. See you later. Good night. I'm so tired. That's why I'm ending the podcast. I'm saying good night. Good night.